afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I am your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you are doing well. I hope everything is good in the parts of the world where you are. Everything's fine here in Lagos, Nigeria. We're warming up for the elections coming up next month. Everybody's like, oh my goodness, that's 25th of February, just come and go. But man, it's a very, very important election for us in Nigeria. It's like, it's like when, like people who are familiar with gambling, you know, it's like when you place all your bets on one last chip. It's like everything is weighing on this election because unfortunately we have a political system in Nigeria where the president is so powerful. It's not supposed to be that way, but the way the society is, you know, this whole hierarchical thing, we're a very hierarchical society. People worship power, people feel that people in authority, you know, there's just this godly status that is given to people in authority and even in the church we see it. So once people are in a position of authority, you naturally become very there's just you, you tend to just treat people with disdain because people put you on a pedestal and they, they give you that godlike power so it gets to your head it, uh, there are very few people that i have seen at least in my local home country environment who when placed in positions of authority do not flip and just begin to behave like psychotic despots because the worship is so much the reverence is so much that you know, if you have a little bit <laughs> of that Luciferian um, spirit in you, you will surely go off the edge. You just go off. So, our political leaders in Nigeria, if our leaders generally in most places, the only places where they are unable to do that is places where structures in place do not allow them to do so. So, either you are a leader, for instance, if you are working in government and you are a leader and the political power, you don't really have it. Maybe you were a figurehead that was just put in there or there's some people pulling the strings before. So you then have the office, but you don't have the power. You don't have the influence. But if for any reason you were put in the role, either it was a business role, political role, more, it's more, this is worse in the political world. It's not as bad in the private sector because in the private sector, you have to make money. So if you're, if you, you're loading it over everyone, it's going to show in the way the business performs. Eventually, you get kicked out. But in the political setting, you can really just play you know god and we've seen it we've seen some of our leaders you can actually tell the point at which they become inflated you know and um, it always turns out really bad for the population and then there's always an, and then the the worst aspect of the active activism is because because of that dysfunctional setting you now find out that there are a whole set of people who worship these people in power so even if there are people who want to reform or people who want to you know be like the conscience of the nation and say look this is wrong this is you know this is right there will be an army of people just waiting to tear into you and tell you how dare you speak like this to power he's this he's that you know so with the result that the executive rascality at the leadership level even their family members is unprecedented you would think that they, they, they were actually lifetime presidents or whatever the way they carry on even people who may not be presidents, but, you know, legislative, executive, judiciary, parastatal heads, oh my goodness, central bank governor, you know, director of state services, some state governors, is amazing. And even though maybe four-year term, five-year term, eight-year term, they don't care. They, they, be, they behave as though they're going to be there. So it's exactly what we see in the Bible, Isaiah 40, when, when, when Lucifer <laughs> sat down in his 
wherever he was and decided that he was going to exalt his throne above the thrones of God, above the stars of God. I mean, if you've never read Isaiah 14, please go and read Isaiah 14. Start reading from, from I think, verse 8 or so. Because when you read it, <laughs> when I say Luciferian spirit, I know what I'm talking about. Because when you look at Lucifer, first of all, he was an angel. From every, um, from everything we can get from the scriptures, there are hierarchies of celestial beings that God created. He was not even in the next in line to God. Do you know what I mean? Because in Isaiah 14, he talked about the different levels he had to exalt himself over to get to God. He was like four levels down. <laughs> Or something he said i would exalt my throne above the stars of god meaning your throne was not above this um the stars of god he says i will let i um uh, ascend into the heights beyond the clouds meaning wherever it is you are your location was not above the clouds you know he now says i will then you now went as far as saying i will be like the most high you will jump over the stars of god it's the most amazing thing. It's called inordinate ambition, and that's you know it's 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 something that is is uh, it's a Luciferian spirit, and um, so these are it, the Bible also talks about it in in in, um, in the New Testament when it says we should not think of ourselves higher than we ought to. Lucifer thought of himself higher than he ought to. So in that same Isaiah 14, his judgment is declared that he shall be cast down, brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And all them that look upon him will say, is this the man who did, you know, make the nations? It's, you know, it's a prophetic um, chapter. So it's a bit confusing because for some, it shifts from um, the dateless past. Then it then talks about how are you fall, how are thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer, of the son of the morning. It then shifts to when he was actually cast down from heaven, which has already occurred. Then goes further to his future judgment when he's finally judged. And that's why it's very confusing reading the prophets. But ever since I did the prophets course in the seminary last day, I now understand that, okay, this is how these prophets speak. When they are speaking, you know, because they are speaking in God language, they will, they will join in one monologue. They will talk about the past, they'll talk about the present, talk about the future. And if you're not careful, you jumble it all together. You don't realize that, oh, this is actually the future. This is, you know, so, but in this case, like one of my um, Bible theology lecturers said, he said, the Bible explains itself. So if you read a particular verse of scripture or chapter or passage and it's not making sense, look for another passage somewhere to explain it. So yes, Isaiah 14, when it talks about the fall of Lucifer, Revelations 12 tells us that that fall has already, tells us how that fall happened. And then Jesus told us in Luke 10 that he, he saw when Satan fell from heaven so many as of the time jesus came on that that fall had already happened he had already been flung out so we can then tie luke 10 19 with revelations 10, 12 and isaiah 14 and get a picture of what happened around that fall of heaven revelations 12 goes into detail about how he you know how the whole war in heaven happened he fought with the angels of god and then uh, please bear in mind he didn't fight with god because god would have pulverized him <laughs> you know but he never did so um he fought with the angels of God, and here um, the the angels of God flung him out, and they cast him down. So the, all, all of that is there. But I digress. Although it's an important digression, I'm, I'm sure that's for somebody's um, benefit. So we have. So that's the kind of scenario we're in. We're in people who carry on like mini gods, 
and when a man begins to behave like a god because man men are not god they begin to behave like a god a mini god a demigod let me use that word i think that's the word demigod then you are someone that is going to be a very bad leader the people under you are going to suffer they're going to pay huge sacrifices things are really going to go very very badly and that's what we've had so elections coming up in nigeria on the 25th of february please join us in prayer wherever you may be please join us we need prayers in nigeria there are 200 and 10 million of us we cannot afford to go the way of some countries i would rather not mention we are under siege by people who want who are the enemies of the soul of nigeria and who are the enemies of righteousness we are praying that the lord will have mercy upon us as a nation even though we know that a lot of us even as christians we've not risen to the occasion that in fact it is the lackadaisical behavior nonchalance and complete abdication of responsibility of the church of Jesus Christ in Nigeria that brought us into this situation, particularly in southern Nigeria. Our brothers and sisters in the northern parts of Nigeria have prayed, paid the price with their blood. They are persecuted day in and night, hunted in their homes, and nobody cares apart from even, in fact, I, I find more compassion from churches even in the U.S. supporting many of these churches than even in southern Nigeria, who all they are concerned about is their weekly Sunday services, you know and their port and just making sure that they run their churches and everything is going on well so that has created space for a whole lot of things beyond that we have we are now the poverty capital of the entire world we are churning out poverty as like as it's on the production line yes because we now have we've had for the past eight years leaders who were more focused on ethnic agendas than actual political change agendas so we need change we need change we can't afford to experiment another god forbid four years of this the whole world is going to be talking about nigeria in a very very bad way and in jesus name we're praying that that will not be the case so we're calling on the most high who rules in the kingdom of men we're asking for his mercy yesterday we mused on the fact that when um, the children of israel were in egypt and they were being um, oppressed they groaned unto the lord and that god saw he heard so we're also going to be growing going into the lord a lot of us were in the last two years and even when we've gotten to politically there is hope that in this election thing things may change through one of the candidates at least one who looks to be better than the three not perfect but at least there seems to be hope so we're praying that somehow the lord will do the greatest and mighty thing that he had ever done and stop the hand of the enemy and bring forth that which nobody else could ever have imagined could have happened and that no other person could have done but him that let the outcome of the nigerian election be such that everyone will know that jehovah el elion the god that rules in the heavens the almighty god that created the one who before there was nobody and after there will be nobody else the alpha the omega the lord that created the heavens and the earth the lord that upholds all things by the word of his power the lord that created the nations the oceans the mountains the valleys the seas the lord that determined the bounds and the habitations of every race every ethnic group every culture every language and every tongue that god has stood up on behalf of nigeria and he has come to defend the blood and the lives of the innocent and the righteous. He has come to defend the gospel of Christ that he has seeded into this nation. And that he has come to stop the hand of the enemy. I pray that through these elections, God will make Nigeria a sign and a wonder. A sign and a wonder. And that his name will be glorified. That all of the glory will be packaged and presented unto him. That is all we are asking. 
that he should glorify himself in this election. Not glorify any man, not glorify any woman, not glorify any boy, any girl, any creature, but that the name of the Lord be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me in that on, on um, impromptu prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I know this is what we need to do. And I'll be giving you updates as these things go along. You know how we do on this day. We talk about what's going on. Because I believe that. And that's why I say this podcast is a podcast about faith, life, and love. We keep it relevant because we talk about the life around us. One thing I have always detested. Oh, God, I'm detested. Is, is when I'm in a faith circle where... You come into church that day, there is no conversation about what's going on in the world around you, or at least in your society. So let's assume there is there are protests going on, or there is a you know a change, there's some policy change that is affecting everybody, or cost of living. You know, you come into church and you're not saying anything. Or there's a rape, you know, there's a, a, a um, domestic violence endemic, or there are some there's one horrible crime, or there was a hurricane. You know, something that happened that is. In, everyone is talking about and then you come into church and then they're telling you about um, um, loaf of 5,000 fishes and, and two loaves I'm like what the, at least even if you had prepared a sermon find a way to talk about what people are going through what is relevant, what is topical I'm not saying talk about people's individual problems, no I mean the context of what is most present, like for instance, in the UK now, it's about cost of living. In the US, I guess it's politics, but I'm, but I'm sure you want to talk about politics, right? But um, like there was, there's the weather, there's the whole rains in Cal- in California thing. Yes, so you talk about that. You say, you know, say a prayer for the people who have relatives and things and, and stuff like that. Find something to say. And if you're in a country like us, yes, you talk about the political situation, you talk about the cost of it, you talk about poverty, you talk about the lack and the want, and you pray for people and you give them wisdom. But you cannot, and when it was the time when people were being persecuted and killed and all of that, you talk about that too. That's what I think church is about. Because when you look at um, the Jesus model and the apostles model, they talked about things going on in the world around them. They did. Jesus took a lot of examples when talking. He wasn't. He, he didn't venture into politics, but he did. He talked about the society. He talked about. The, in fact, a lot of what he did actually, he was actually killed because people felt he was, um, he was teaching people to act in a way that was contrary to the customs. So even though he wasn't directly confronting, you know, well, he was confronting tradition in certain ways, you know, but he wasn't contra- He wasn't confronting the political system. But he was clearly telling people what was right for them to do and giving them the, the, the confidence and the authority to take a stand to say, this is who I am. I am a Christian. I will live this way. So anyways, this is just my pet peeve. Sorry, I vented now, but I just needed to get that out of the way. So I think this segues really well into what I really wanted to talk about when I started this music. In the book of Matthew, which is the Sermon of the Mount, which I think we've talked a little bit about in earlier musings. One thing that always amazes me is that's verse when that's passage when Jesus talks about the fact that when he's doing when when the judgment comes and people come in front of him. Okay, let's just read it so that I don't try to paraphrase what doesn't make sense. This this thing has baffled me and I've never really understood it. So he says, starting from verse 21, Jesus says, 
this is Matthew 7. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not pro- prophesied in your name? And in your name we've cast out devils, and in my name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Then he then goes on to say, it is not only the hearer that will be um, blessed, but those that do my work. So he says, not everyone that, okay, yes. He says, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. He says, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do it will be like, will be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon a sand, upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were really astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Isn't that funny? I like that comment. I like the way <clears throat> the apostles were very good at sh- shade, as in they just put some sobs by the side. He says, people were astonished at the way Jesus taught, because he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. I know exactly what they're saying. Because honestly, till today, and I don't know about you, I'm sure it's with you as well, there's some men of God in quotes, when they, or some pastors, some teachers, Bible teachers, when they speak, when they teach, you can tell the person who, who is living the Bible. You can tell the person who the word of God is in them, they are in the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, that relationship comes through. You can tell the person, and that, that's what they mean by speaking as one who has authority. He's, he's speaking with the conviction conviction of, I mean, Jesus, I mean, yeah, beginning was the word and the word was the God. So you can imagine the authority that was coming through. But that the scribes were not teaching. So even the people who were unlearned, and let us put this, for us to really understand what we're saying here, in these days, it's just when I went to seminary that I realized this, a lot of the people were not um, um, literate. So the scribes used to take the scroll. The scribes were people who were learned, who went to learn how to read. And then they would be the ones to read the scrolls to the people and the people listen. So most of the people were not literate. Not like now, everybody has Bible. There was nothing like There was no Bible. There were no books. So they had scrolls kept in the synagogue or wherever, temple. And somebody would go, the scribes would go read it to the people when people gather. So that's why they used to gather to hear the reading. Not like now the Bible is in your house, smartphone, Bible app is in your hand. It wasn't like that then. So the the, the scribes could speak with... The, so even so the scribes were the authority voices of the scriptures, the Old Testament. Yet the people who were not literate, who had probably not read the Bible themselves or the scriptures themselves, the scrolls themselves, were able to sense that this man Jesus spoke as one who had authority over the scriptures, on the scriptures, in the scriptures, as opposed to the way the scribes who they've been hearing from all their lives would have been teaching that same scripture. Isn't that amazing? Because you can't fake it. I'm sorry, Christianity, you know, I really love fake, fake it till I make it, but yeah, at the end of the day, like my people will say in Nigeria, if it's not Panadol, it's not Panadol. 
you can't fit that spirituality and, and i do know people do try to fake it and they they succeed in deceiving people but all it takes is for the real thing to show up ah then the fake becomes obvious you know what i'm saying which is why most of the time oh holy spirit you're just on the road here because this is just not me this is not me talking now because which is why many times in churches you notice that in many places really happens anywhere, anywhere where charlatans are when the real deal shows up all of them unite to come against that person it happens in the office it happens um in, in churches as well so which is why they they attack and persecute people who are carry who are gifted or the, even if you're not gifted you're just somebody that you are you are you are in your own you've i mean you're you're like what you're like how jesus is described here you have the authority either by the calling of god or by his by your experience with god your relationship with god your covenant with god so that that relationship that experiential encounter with the lord gives you an authority that that charlatan that impostor can never have can never have it's amazing so what and i'm about to wrap this up right now but that whole when jesus says i never knew that one just blows my mind because i don't understand the context <laughs> I mean, i've always tried I, I i don't think i don't think anybody has ever explained this thing really well to me maybe i should go back again into i have one bible commentary here maybe let me read what that commentary has to say about this because i'm trying to understand the context here so jesus was talking about some people who say they call him lord lord he says in other words they, these are people that call him Lord. So they, they, he's not talking here about people who don't believe in, in God. He's not talking about atheists or people who are, you know, far away from Christianity. He's actually saying that there are some people that pay lip service to him and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. He says, but there is no all of everybody that says Lord. Like me, I'm, I, I call Jesus' name every time. And there are many of us, we call Jesus' name. We say, oh, Lord, he's my God, all of that. So he says, it's not all of us those of us who call him Lord, that will enter into the kingdom of heaven. I, I hope I'm not misinterpreting this thing, but that's what he says. He says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, but he that does the will of my Father, which is heaven. Actually, that's what he's saying, because that, that is also confirmed by a lot of scriptures. So what he's saying is that it's not enough to pay lip service to him. If you are saying you are a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, you are confessing Christianity, you are parading as a Christian, but you are doing or, or I'm living a life that is contrary, then I will not enter. That's what he's saying. That is an access control and it's not just by confession. Confession is the starting point, but then there's a lifestyle. There is a mindset. There is a change of heart that comes with it. And if that doesn't, then yeah, sorry. You know, you can, <laughs> can get away with it on earth, but it's not going to happen in heaven. He now says, on that day, he now talks about the judgment day. That's on verse 22. He says, many. Look at that. He says, many. Not even a few. <sighs> this is fact. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Now, you see why, why they will be saying this is because they can already see. Probably the angels are already coming to gather them away to a place that is not where they would want to be. So, they're already trying to defend themselves. They're like, did we not? So, why is this happening to us? Why, why are we being moved away to the left-hand side? Did we not prophesy in your name? Look at all the things they said they did. That's This verse 22 is the one that blows my mind. Because I'm wondering, these people were prophesying. So, they said they were prophesying in his name. That's in the name of Jesus. So, was it that they, were they real prophets? Were they lying? Were they pretending? And it says, in your name, you cast out devils. So, on earth, you were going through the motions of casting out devils. Please, 
do you, do you realize that these are not ordinary believers? Because it's not every believer that goes about prophesying. Neither is it every believer that goes about casting out devils. And he said, in your name, we did many wonderful works. So really, this verse 22 is actually talking to, to leaders, talking about leaders. The leaders with a platform. That's, that's I've just realized this now. Okay, Holy Spirit, so you really hear that I want to understand this scripture. Yeah. That verse 22 is not talking to ordinary believers. In the apostles' days, everybody was doing this. But in our own day, it's not every Christian. In fact, most Christians are not doing this because we're not taught to to do this anymore. You know, it's now made to be like it's only the leaders who are supposed to do this. Even the leaders are frankly really not doing this anyway. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. And then verse 23, okay, it now makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense in the context of leadership. And then it says, I will profess unto them, I never. Hey, Lord. Now, this is the one that, in fact, 22, 23, this is the one that blows my mind. Jesus said he did, not, he did not know them. He says, depart from me, you that work iniquity. So there are only three things I can, con- I can conclude from this. For Jesus to say he never knew them, that means that these people were fake prophets, fake pastors, fake leaders, fake miracle workers. They pretended as though they were doing everything in the name of Jesus. Probably everybody on earth treated them as though they were doing everything in the name of Jesus when they were actually not doing it in the name of Jesus. Jesus did not say, oh, I knew you, but you fell back. He's very direct. When the Bible wants to say people have drawn back, it says they drew back. In fact, Jesus said anybody, I think there's a scripture that says, if anybody that draws back from me, my soul will have no pleasure in him. I'm not sure if that's old or new. So the concept of drawing back, the Bible teaches us that some people actually come, they draw back. But when Jesus says, I never, never knew you. Now, what shocks me is that we do not preach enough about this concept in church to warn fellow believers that there are people amongst us who may be professing Christianity, carrying on, prophesying in quotes, seemingly prophesying in his name, seemingly casting out devils in his name, similar doing, seemingly doing many wonderful works, but are actually not people that ever have a relationship with Christ. Jesus now called them, he says, depart from me, you that walk in equity. Actually, I've concluded these people are, I know, who, I know the kind of people these people are, but they're not ordinary people in the congregation. All of the characteristics here, which I can actually list down for you. These are people who are visible. And that's why they were saying. So these are not backbencher Christians. These are people who were acclaimed on earth. Probably leaders of very large congregations too. It says, depart from me, you that walk in equity. Jesus, iniquity is a high form of sin. The Bible uses iniquity because it uses sin. When it uses iniquity... It usually comes with some form of idolatry, mammon, worship, you know, it's, it's, it's extreme wickedness. It's, it's like sinful sin, you know what I mean? Exactly. Because sin could be anger, you know, forgiveness and other. But when it says iniquity, it's wickedness and evil joined together, you know. And it's, it comes with this anti-God, anti-spirit, very devilish, you know, anti-Christ kind of thing. That's in, Iniquity is, you know, just think of all the worst things. Things that have to do with death, that have to do with spiritual death, that have to do with you know glorifying other things above God, you know, worship, devil worship, those kind of things. That's that's what the Bible reserves the word iniquity for. And um, so that that has really that has. But I'm beginning to realize now that I, I think it was confusing me because I thought 
which kind of normal i mean i i couldn't see this within inside the congregation but i now realize when i look at this that these are not ordinary this classification and that's not to say that even ordinary people in the congregation could not be people that god would say i never knew but what i mean is that this description here of people who had lived a public life doing all of these things were known to have been doing all these things which is why they could say that that is this is these are, these are leaders so why aren't we warned enough when did you last if you're a christian and you've been a christian and you're listening to this and you've um been in church circles for a long time when last did you hear anybody preach about this it is possible that many people are uncomfortable preaching about it because perhaps maybe perhaps maybe some of this will probably describe them or they're not you know maybe maybe But I think it's important that we Christians, I always come back to this scripture because it's it's a reality check for me. Reality check to know that not everybody that says that they're a Christian is, is really a Christian. And particularly not every pastor that says that they're Christi- pastors of, mm, you, you, I don't want to finish it. Not everybody. That's the scripture. That's what Jesus said here. And because we are not in a position to judge, I'm not saying even if, you know, but then allow the Lord to guide. You know, we should all allow the Lord to guide us. That's what I'm saying. But when I checked, when, when, when I did seminary, I'm going to end it here. We read through the apostles and I saw that the apostles warned themselves a lot. Paul warned Timothy. They warned everyone about false brethren, false this, false that. We don't want believers anymore. So believers are falling prey of all manner of doctrines. Who, who, who is benefiting from all this? From having Christians who don't even have a rooted theology, cannot even tell when somebody is preaching something off point, off scripture. This is why I have gone back into the Bible. Because if I would derail, let me, let me derail because of my stupidity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I don't want to derail because I allowed somebody to lead me astray. But let's go back to this Bible. I will, I will also read books, theology. I will listen, but at least what I, I will read by myself as well and pray and allow the Holy Ghost to teach me. I will read. And I thank God for the scholarly mind that he has given me, which is I, I, I bow to arguments. You know what I'm saying? So even, and, and I'm, you would hear on this pod, podcast, I am the first to say I don't know everything. And I, I'm looking, you know, I... I would, even with God, I mean, really, okay, let me put it this way. In fact, this is just the best way. Even with God, when, when I feel that God tells me something, I don't just go and do it. I've never been that kind of person. We have a conversation. We talk about it because I have to understand. And the Bible says, you know, God talks about the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. There's also the spirit of knowledge, um, discretion, and understanding. God knows that for us to do something, you, you have to understand, at least to some extent. You must understand. Otherwise, you won't even be able to do what God is asking you to do. So I always, I have a conversation. I'm like, and God even told us, test every spirit, whether they be of God. Test. Believers, we must remain. That ability to test is extremely important because the days are evil. Except we believe we're already in heaven. Or there is a shield, a force field that naturally prevent certain things from touching us except but if we agree that we are still in a corrupt world where the enemy has seeded his agents all over the place 
and that the kingdom of darkness is actively working. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail, meaning the gates of hell will contend. But Jesus said they will not prevail. He did not say they will not contend. They are contending and they are still contending. If we are living in that kind of world, what kind of person should we be? The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, is lurking around, seeking to see whom he will devour. Another Bible scripture says, give him no place. Tells us that we are soldiers of Christ. In the Old Testament, another one says, woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Why would God say that we are soldiers of Christ? Why will Ephesians 6 say the weapons of our warfare are not carnal? Why does God keep using military language? Why does he say put on the whole army of, armor of God that you may be able to withstand all the um, fiery darts of the devil? Why does God use that kind of strong language in describing what it means to be a Christian? If really all it takes is just to have confessed Jesus and to be going on your merry way. I'll just leave it at that because I, I think I am very uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable with the way things are, the way Christianity is being practiced in this world today. For me, from my perspective in Nigeria, it is only the northern Christians, the Christians in northern Nigeria, that truly understand that we're in a hostile territory and that we need to develop ourselves, build ourselves up spiritually to be able to survive in this hostile territory. They are vigilant, they are alert because the enemy has brought the battle into their doorstep, into their compound, into their bedrooms, into their homes, into their lives. But woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. We should never ever be at ease in Zion until we see our king returning again, until Jesus returns. The battle is not yet over, at least on this earth. He has given us the power, the authority, he has initiated the beginning plan of the redemption. We have the power, we have the authority, we have the Holy Spirit. But the end has not yet come. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.